Welcome to The House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Um, We are in this series called Rooted which is based on the book of Colossians, this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae. And the key verse for the series is found in uh, chapter two, verse seven, which reads, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And Paul emphasizes that there's this idea of, uh, it's this Jesus-centric life, the Jesus-centric faith, where our lives are built on him, our roots go down into him. We center ourselves on who Christ is. And the book of Colossians is actually, it's, it's, it's a short letter in volume. It's relatively small, and yet it contains some of the most significant teachings on who Jesus is within the scriptures. And the anchoring thought in Colossians is Paul's assertion that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is God in bodily form. In other words, we can get a picture and an understanding of who God is by looking at Jesus, by understanding Jesus, opening our heart to him, embracing who he is. That puts us in connection with God, and we have an awakening and an understanding of who God is. And the study of Jesus is known as Christology. That's what uh, theology types give that, that study of Jesus. And one of the most uh, profound and significant Christological passages in the scriptures is found in Colossians 1 as Paul opens his letter. And that's what Pastor Oliver preached from last week. This idea of the supremacy of Jesus and how Jesus is above all things. And it's this Jesus-centric focus that Paul gives that is actually in stark contrast with the culture of first century Colossae, the city where the Colossian church was. The city housed a large temple dedicated to the worship of angelic spirit beings. The two most common belief systems were Gnosticism and paganism, which are are, are kind of even at sometimes opposite ends of the spectrum. And in and of themselves, those two belief systems as constructs are fairly open-ended. And they're a little bit loosely defined, and they make lots of room for people to kind of pick and choose and, and kind of interpret how they believe what they believe within those, uh, those belief systems. And so the Colossians were immersed in a melting pot of beliefs. And this is significant because the Colossian people were known to be highly spiritual, and yet they fiercely refuted following or identifying one belief system as more true than others. And that doesn't sound unlike or it doesn't seem different than maybe even our culture today, even our culture here in Canada. Last year in April, Angus Reid polling released a comprehensive study on Canadian spirituality. And there are some interesting trends in there for the church and for us as, as followers of Christ in our country that 80% of Canadians reported being spiritual or believing in some, sort, some form or some sort of higher power. 
So that means that only 20% of Canadians are completely just more of an atheist. They just, they're not, there's no sense of spirituality in them or in their belief system. And 45%, interesting enough, and I think this is important, 45% of all Canadians report being spiritually uncertain or undefined. They would say that they're not really sure who God is. So the next time you sit in Prospera Place for a Rockets game, I don't think that can happen anymore in this season. I think they're gone and done. But the, the next time you're in Prospera Place and there's maybe 6,500 people there and you look out, you can understand that there's 3,000 of them that have some form or belief in a higher power, but they just have no way of really having any certainty. They can't define that. They can't summarize that. Maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe that's more like where you're at. That you're spiritual. You have some bits of understanding or some ideas of the afterlife, of who God is. But you're really, there's, there's as much maybe uncertainty as there is certainty surrounding that. Half of Canadians are constructing bits and pieces of different faiths and forming their own belief system. And this is known as syncretism. It is the amalgamation of different beliefs, different kind of things and ideas and spiritual comprehension and, and putting them all together and creating your own hybrid form of beliefs. And the practice of syncretism was alive and well in the first century Colossae, even within the church, because they grew up within this idea and this understanding. This is the culture that they grew up in. And when they became converts and they decided to follow Jesus, they embraced Jesus without hesitation, but they merged their new faith in Jesus with other spiritual beliefs, resulting in a diminished view of Christ. They began to have this sense of watering down the gospel and who Jesus is. And this is why Paul emphasizes with such a clear picture, such a clear emphasis on who Jesus is. Check out those verses that are in chapter one. This Christological passage, it says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. That is a great picture of who Jesus is, the Jesus that we build our faith on. And it's important that Paul says, don't blend Jesus in with other beliefs and other ideas because inevitably you become and you create a smaller Jesus, a less than Jesus. We hold on to Jesus at the high level that he is. And this is where Paul is coming from, which we get into our text today in Colossians chapter two, says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense 
that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human form, in human body. Once again, Paul brings it around to this idea of who Jesus is. He is the fullness of God. We see who God is by understanding Jesus and opening our heart to him. Paul says, beware of empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense. Beware of watering down the gospel of Jesus by blending it with new ideas from disillusioned human thinking or even from lying demonic spirits who would try to corrupt the church and lead the church astray in false teachings and false doctrines that get in. And they take our idea and our understanding of Jesus as the eternal God and they begin to diminish that and lower that. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the fullness of God and all spiritual truth lives in Jesus. He's the definition of spiritual truth. It's why Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Because there is a world full of different paths. There's a world that offers all kinds of different paths. And yet Jesus would stand up and say, I am the path. Jesus is the great I am. He's the one true God. And he is the only door to eternal life. He's the only door to spiritual renewal. He's the one who forgives our sin. He's the one who sets us free from our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. He's the one that brings freedom and healing and purpose and direction into our life. This is why we have a Jesus-centric faith. Jesus is the one who heals the brokenhearted, who gives sight to the blind and hope to the poor and sets the captive free. In a world full of spiritual noise, don't forget that the fullness of God is always found in Jesus. If you are spiritually searching, if you're spiritually struggling, can I just say the answer is always in Jesus. Look to him, grab hold of him, hold on to him. Paul reminds the believers to keep a firm grip on Christ. In Colossians 2, 6, 7, he says... And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. It's not a one-time deal. Opening our heart to Jesus is not just this one thing that we do. It is this continual walk and understanding of who Jesus is. And the scriptures go on and say, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul says, continue in Jesus. Build your life on Jesus. Jesus who is above all. Let your roots grow down into him. I love that picture, that metaphor that Jesus gives of spiritual roots. And we think about our lives and putting down spiritual roots, our source of life to our own spirituality, to our soul. Where are we drawing from? Where are we going? Where are we putting down our roots? Roots provide an anchor point. When a plant is just beginning to grow, the majority of its root activity, of its root growth, is in spreading out. And when the roots are first planted and they're very small, 
They're able to work their way around rocks and obstacles. They're so small, they can even work their way through hard-packed soil. They can find the smallest of cracks and crevices. And uh, they will even go into like where insects will burrow and do different things. They'll find pathways. They'll, they'll spread out because they're so small. And then something happens. As the plant begins to grow and mature, its roots will then switch to thickening out, to filling out, to getting bigger. They will work themselves into, press up against the soil and rocks and other tree roots and other things and they'll, they'll work themselves in and they get, they're totally fixed in, they're anchored in. And anyone who's tried to pull out even a little tree knows that it's almost impossible because the roots below the surface have anchored in. They've grabbed on to all kinds of stuff. They're, they're solid in the soil. They're wrapped around rocks. They're wrapped around other roots. They're not letting go. And you're not just pulling out that little tree. You're trying to pull out everything below. It's too big. It's too great. You can't do it. Paul says, put your roots in Jesus Wrap your life around him. Grab onto him because he's too big to be pulled up. He's above all rulers and authorities and everything in the heavens and the earth was made by him and for him. This is the Jesus that we put our faith in. He's eternal. He's the alpha and omega. He was before all things. He is present in all things now and he will be here when all other things pass. This is the Jesus that we put our faith in. That's the Jesus that we anchor ourselves to. He's above all others. And the other thing about roots and putting down roots in Jesus is roots connect us to the source. Now we live in wine country with vineyards all around us. And a few things are very interesting about grapevines. They are able to put down roots to depths of over 30 feet in their search for nutrients and water. And the finest wines in the world come from vineyards that are purposely stressed by restricting the amount of water and fertilizers and the, the amount of stuff that they get up on the surface. Because the wines respond by sending their roots down deep as they hunt for natural sources of nutrients and water. And you see, the, the vine can be ruthlessly pared back, ruthlessly pruned back, cut back between seasons of growth. Because the life and the essence of the vine is not at the top. It is in its roots which go down deep. The roots remain strong and healthy and firmly planted. The interesting thing is this, is that the deeper and stronger the roots become, the more the wine represents its origins of place by defining distinct flavors into the grapes. The wine draws, the, sorry, the roots draw the essence of the soils into the life of the vine. And experienced sommeliers can tell you by smelling the glass where that grape was grown. 
because they can smell the essence of the soils, of the proximity of where it was grown, where it came from, what it would taste like. When Jesus, I love this sentence, when Jesus is the spiritual terroir of our souls, our lives will reproduce his goodness. When we are planted in Jesus, we begin to draw up who Jesus is. His essence shows up in our life. We will reproduce his goodness, his compassion, kindness, humility, generosity, and patience, his courage and his faith and his boldness, his pursuit of justice and looking out for those who need help and care for the lost. Putting our roots in Jesus means we will become more like him. His essence infuses our life. Our backyard uh, at our place is, uh, faces southwest. And it gets full sun all day long. And thankfully, we have a large tree in the center of our backyard. And at any given time, once the leaves fill out, it's a little bit early right now, there's just buds, but once the leaves fill out, at any given time of the day, in our backyard, there is an area of shade, which we love. And in fact, it makes the, the whole backyard experience that much better because we can sit out there without roasting in the Kelowna sun. And a number of years ago, I had an arborist come by and give me some pointers on the best strategy to begin pruning and shaping the tree because I didn't really know much about trees. And he told me that one thing that I'll have to be aware of and look for is that the roots will likely begin to come up to the surface and show up in the grass and, and they'll begin to kind of spread out. And fast forward five or six years and sure enough, we have tree roots popping up through our grass. And he explained that the type of tree we have is known to be lazy. And it will always grow its roots and point its roots towards the easiest, most available source of water. And this is a problem when the tree is planted in the middle of the lawn in a backyard with full sun in Kelowna. We have to, like... We water our grass at the limit that the city says, you know, the days and the times and, you know, we don't really go out at three in the, in the you know, 3 a.m. and water our grass on the days we're not supposed to. We're not that kind of a neighbor. Uh, but we, we're not going to get rid of our grass and do that whole thing either. We're kind of like in the middle. And I can tell you this, that we have to water our, our lawn a lot because that full sun comes out in Kelowna and it will dry up. Even within days, it will start to yellow and start to get crunchy and it will turn to straw and it will blow away. It takes a lot of water to keep it green and keep it soft. And the problem with having a tree grow in well-watered lawn is the roots want to stay up at the surface where the water is and they begin to kind of come up and pop through. And the shallow roots are easily pulled out. And they're more dependent on the changing conditions of what happens above than what is happening in nature. My tree in my backyard loves it when my sprinklers go off every second day. It's probably the only way it would live because its roots are not down deep enough to draw any sense of moisture from deep down in the earth. 
You see, deep roots are firmly planted and they're less affected by the changing conditions above the ground because they get their life from a different source. And I wonder if this is part of the spiritual lesson behind Paul's instructions that say, put your roots down in Jesus, make him the source. Because it's so easy for our spiritual roots to grow towards other sources of spiritual water or spiritual substitutes instead of the wellspring of Jesus. In John 4, 13, he is at the well. And Jesus says this, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and I will give them, giving them eternal life. The words of Jesus are so very clear. When we build our life on him, when we put our roots in him, our spirit is satisfied because he's true and because he has eternal life. Everything other than Jesus that we try to put our roots down into overpromises and underdelivers, and it will leave us just as thirsty as we have always been. It might just be a momentary, temporary relief. And come again a few minutes later, the next day, the next week, we're as empty and as searching and as thirsty as we have always been because our roots are trying to draw from something other than Jesus. Perhaps the most important question for each one of us is, what is the wellspring of your life what are your spiritual roots planted in? It's so easy to gain our meaning and purpose from our careers and our accomplishments at work. It's so easy for our lives to be motivated for more recognition or getting more things. It's so easy to find our sense of value or self-worth in the person we're dating or the approval of others. It's so easy to build our lives on other things and other people, to put our spiritual roots in the passing things of this world instead of Christ. Jesus says all of those things will leave you thirsty. Promotions and raises and accolades are nice, but they won't satisfy the deeper spiritual needs of our soul, and it's not worth forsaking our Jesus-centric faith in pursuit of those things. Secret sins and addictions will always leave us thirsty for more. They cannot, will not, do not satisfy our soul. Jesus is the one that we put our roots into. Jesus is the one that has the wellspring of eternal life. Paul says, build your lives on Jesus, put your roots in him. And so the question for each one of us is what direction 
are your spiritual roots growing in? What is the water source? What is the life source? What is the wellspring that your life, the essence of who you are, is reaching out to try to get, to try to draw from? Maybe you fit into that category of you're spiritual, but you're, you just haven't quite figured it out or there's a lot of questions and maybe it's that undefined, uncertain category. The good news of Jesus is he is God with skin on. By centering our life on Jesus, we have a certainty that he is true, that he is good. You can open your heart to Jesus today. You can start that act. Maybe you've never done it before, and this is an opportunity for you today. You can say to Jesus today, Jesus, I want to plant my life on you. I want you to be the source, your goodness to come within me, to heal and forgive and set me free from my hurts and my habits and my hang-ups. I want to become more like you. And I think for the rest of us, this message to the Colossian church some 2,000 years ago is just as relevant to us today, is what is the direction our roots are going? What is the source of our life because making it anything else other than Jesus will always leave us thirsty. Church, we can never go wrong by holding on to a high view of who Jesus is and holding on to that Jesus-centric faith above all things. Let me pray for you in this moment. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes if you're comfortable in this moment just to create a, this atmosphere of prayer and reflection, to reflect on your own life. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to plant your heart, your spiritual self in Jesus. You could do that even now. Even now as you're just sitting there, you can say, Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe you have eternal life. And I pray that you would come into my life, that I would put my roots down into you. Forgive me for making my life about other things. And help me to live by putting my faith in you. And for the rest of us, Jesus, we would say, forgive us for being driven towards other things instead of, at times, the hard work of just putting our roots down into you. Or all of us have got some roots that are going in the opposite direction, that are getting a taste or a focus on something else. We're substituting that for you. Lord, help us, help us to focus on you to redirect, to once again put our roots in you.
For only you have eternal life. For only you can satisfy us. Only you are the one that helps us not thirst and hunger. Fill us, God, with your presence. May we hold on to your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we often do, we like to sing a song as a declaration and just kind of to think through, meditate, prayer, uh, you know, kind of just a, a sense of here we're processing some of the thoughts and some of the things. And so I invite you to stand. Um, and uh, if you're able to, the team is going to lead us. And uh, we're thinking of what's a song that we can create or that we can bring. And, and it's this idea of make room for Jesus in our life. Make room again for him to put our roots down in who he is. And so let's sing as a declaration and as a prayer. And then we'll dismiss in just a moment.